Welcome to Credit Union Joe is Disrupted with Josh. Today we are joined by with Kirk Kordaleski, uh, Executive Benefits Consultant with OM Financial and former CEO of Beth Page Federal Credit Union. Kirk, how are we doing? I am doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. Good. Thanks for being here. All right, let's learn three things we need to know about you real quick. Lightning round. Favorite food? Favorite food. I'm from New York now for 25 years and a techie. It's pizza. Hey, toppings. Uh, sorry, what was that? Toppings. What's your favorite Topping. pie? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. Oh, perfect. Great answer. Favorite movie? Favorite movie. I am a credit union guy long and, and uh, for 40 years, right? It's a wonderful life. Love it. And if you weren't making the CU difference, what would you be doing? You know, there are probably two things. Uh, first of all, I, I'd like to think in my, my soul and my heart is this sort of not-for-profit cooperative. So I'd love to be in the arts and music not-for-profit and, and be in that world. Uh, but the truth be known, I'd like to own the Washington football team now, no longer the Washington Redskins. Just the Washington football team. Just the Washington. I can't wait to see the <laughs> new logo. Hey, I know that was your lightning round, but this question came up just recently, Joe. So not that not that anybody will be bothered by me interrupting you because this will probably be a little more exciting than the questions you asked. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking was, uh, so this came up. If you could be one or the other, if you could do one or the other and you have this skill, immense skill set and talent at it, a pilot that you could pilot any craft, okay? Or a captain and you could captain any watercraft. So you gotta think about that, right? You could captain any kind of boat, right? You could, and you could pilot any type of plane. Which skill would you choose? This is really interesting. I was with like three I, I, pilots too when I had this conversation. Yeah, I, I'm st I'm on the pilot side because I want to get someplace fast. So so I would have been pilot side entirely, and not to not to flip it. I decided captain. Right, this was an interesting conversation. I say captain because I can at least live on if it's a big enough boat on my way to anywhere. <laughs> right, all through the Caribbean islands, or I, if I big enough boat, I could take it to Australia even, and I've I've got my home the whole way. So what was interesting with three pilots, uh, their immense fear in the idea of captaining a boat across open water blew my mind. In fact, the comment was from one of them was, well, what happens if the uh, if you have a problem out in the middle of the water uh, with the boat, what do you do then? I'm like, well, it seems like it'd be easier to deal with than at 36,000 feet, right? <laughs> and the so then the comment was, I swear to God, another pilot clips back and says, well, what if you have a hole in the boat? I said, if, if it's a boat I'm taking clear across the water, it's a pretty damn big boat. It's usually holding another boat with it. I said, are you carrying a second plane? On your plane in case there's an emergency. So I, anyway, this conversation. See, I bet you're kind of wondering not in. want to be a captain. Really back in. Right. Um, so this is a hard pivot, but uh, Kirk, you're here to talk. Uh, you know, leadership in crisis, specific to retail sales. But let, let's start a little bigger. You've led through some tough moments, uh, yep. ter terrorist attacks, superstorms, economic yep. crises. Right. Sun still has to rise the next day. Um, That's right. What's the first thing you focused on when you sat down at your desk after you know these these moments? Yeah, I thought a lot about the, the question, Joe, but the, the, at the end of the day, I, I think it's probably a couple things. I, I don't know if I can get it to one. Um, first of all, it's about reality. It's, it's the definition of what the real problem is for the institution, not the real problem in a macro sense of, of what's happening, uh, whether it's 9-11 or, or a great recession. But really, what, what does it mean for the, the company that, that I'm leading and, and for the credit union at that time? Um, and then it's an aspect of how the cultural aspect is. So think about in, in New York, 9-11, everybody was affected, right? It was an emotional 
uh, it was seriously uh, deep about each family's connection to people that, that happened in 9-11 and a very personal issue. That was a very different cultural environment. Uh, and, then, and it was similar in Superstorm Sandy uh, because of loss of households. And then it was a Great Recession. Great Recession was fear of jobs. This was fear of family loss and homes. And so getting a, a true read of the culture, you know, once again, this sort of factual, where are we and, and what, are we, what are we doing? Um, and then it, it's to start to pivot to um, what is immediately necessary for the members. Uh, and, and, but you've got to solidify the, 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 the home, the team first. You can't serve anybody if you don't know how that group is going to react to, to an external environment and, and how they're, they're working together and how they're performing. Um, and then the, the, the two things I think are really crucial, which is uh, looking at the opportunity that's there, because there are immense opportunities and disruption. Um, and then on the negative side of that uh, is, to, is to is manage your expenses really aggressively when you get a chance to do so. Uh, there are opportunities to cut expenses and, and disruptions that you'll never have otherwise. So, I, I, sorry, Joe, just to go further on this, you know what, I'm, when you said that you first focus on the reality and not the macro, right? And I think not the macro, not the micro either. And it's almost the behavioral economics is what it sounds like you're saying at first, right? You're talking mm -hmm. about team mentality and what they're going through too. So in this current crisis right now, this is the thing that, and, and uh, you know, I forget it. I'll give my opinion. And even though I shouldn't, but I'm, I'm really curious yours. I'm seeing things all over the map. I talked to uh, um, an, an individual, in, uh, you know, in the uh, regulatory space for financial institutions. I said, what's it looking like on, on how, how much, you know, back to, to full steam or full, full throttle for financial institutions? And, and uh, uh, within our region, I would say that for our organization, we're one of maybe two that are back, right? And, and so here, here's, here's my question, you know, in any crisis, it almost feels like it has a wartime vibe to it, right? It almost feels like a wartime vibe. And, and, you know, I look around sometimes, and I think what impact or what importance is it that your leadership's out front, that your generals are out front? Because this is a weird situation where there's a lot of places, the generals aren't out front, but the foot soldiers are being pushed out front. What message do you think that sends? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you think, let's talk about credit unions and, and you have people in branches, whether they're working drive ups or maybe the lobbies are open or whatever the case is, or mortgage loan, loans that are still doing wet signatures and meeting face to face. But yet I got a leadership that maybe's in their den. Right. And that's the yeah. entire thing the staff is seeing. Does that not start to have a psychological impact for the culture? Without Without question, whether it was the, the time of, of, of the war of independence or, or whether it's today, right? Leadership has to be out in front. They have to be there in the earliest. They have to be there in the latest. They have to be out in front. They don't have to be there every day. That's not their role, but they have to be there and uh, 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 taking on the same risks as they're asking everybody else to, or no one will eventually follow. They'll understand in the beginning, but they won't eventually follow because we are going to go through tougher times here. I don't know what those are, right? I mean, you think about the variables that we're talking about here, an extraordinarily disruptive election, uh, social unrest that's still uh, tinging around and, and, and bubbling up, uh, economic, the lack of clarity on economic because we've never been through this before, so we don't know what the, the what 
eventually will happen here, good or bad. Um, and COVID and the potential for COVID in the flu season coming back. You talk about those kind of variables, you're going to have some negative aspects. There'll be positive, but there'll be some negatives. The leaders have to be out there or, or the next time that they're asked to follow, they're not going to follow. See, that's a good I'm sorry, Joe. I'm sorry, Joe. I know you're going to cut me off, so I'm going to do it quick. See, when you say that, though, is that to be out there and showing and, and showing that they're taking the same risk they're asking others to do. That's what bothers me a little bit. And I wonder, do you think it's, do you think there's going to be financial institutions, if we're talking about credits in particular, especially as call reports continue to come out through this and they, you know, and they, they come up on exams, are they going to, are they relying? Do you think some credits are just relying on a big asterisk and they're saying, when you look back at 2020 or whatever the financial fallout is for that credit union, instead of maybe growing and taking advantage of what's going on, uh, and they say, what happened? Whether it be what happened to their capital, or what happened to you know loan share, whatever metric, and and they're just going to point to that asterisk and say, wow, that was COVID. What do you expect us to do? do you, and I I don't think that's a fair. I'm muting him, Kirk. You can answer that question because I just muted Josh. So because we're here to talk to you, not have him just talk. So the the uh, the response I'd give is that every uh, systemic disruption of material systemic uh, disruption, credit unions and other poorer leaders. Uh, and that I don't mean that all credit unions have poor leaders, but poorer leaders in credit unions specifically to your question, uh, use it as an excuse uh, not to perform. Um, we are an industry that needs to do a far better job of looking at real peer performance and looking at real performance in, in total growth as well as, as and the growth as a comparison to what is the opportunity in the marketplace, not growth as compared to the next $200 million credit union that isn't growing either, right? It is, it is about looking at what, what the potential is and achieving the greatest percentage of that potential. And that is particularly true in disrupted times because it gives people the excuse to even be more risk adverse when they should be risk managing. So let's, let's bring it back to that. So Kirk, what did you focus on within retail sales in those different moments that you were leading Bethpage? You know, first and, and foremost, uh, we concentrated on, um, we made sure that we weren't concentrating on the wrong competition. So I, I think that you, you often talk about in sales and sales in, in, in any marketplace where you're, you're looking at the other credit unions down the block, or you're looking at, uh, uh, a particularly aggressive fintech, even, you know, something on the other extreme. Concentrate on who has market share and where the money is and what the heck they're doing. You know, look at the, 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 the nuts and bolts of winning in a, in a competitive marketplace. And that is identifying the right competitors and attacking those guys. Um, it is, and then really the most important thing I would advise anybody today is, gosh, darn it, I could get worse words. Don't change your damn goals for the year, right? Aggressively attack it until there's no choice left. If you give up now on your goals, you're damn well not going to meet them. But if you attack them, you'll keep your eyes open to opportunities that are immensely out there. And, and right, you know, we've talked about some of this stuff in previous conversations, whether it's mortgages or auto loans right now, or your individual market is doing better than the national marketplace. There are great opportunities to grow brand, to grow loans, to grow, keep every deposit dollar that comes in, grow every mortgage, opportunities in business and, and PPP loans. There are things there. Look at those opportunities. 
So where else? Wait, Joe, that? hang on. Sorry, sorry. Not that I don't like to hear your voice. Question: uh, You know, when you say that about growing brand too and, and not changing your goals. So going off that, what what I understand is, do you also feel it's not just not changing your goals, but not changing who you said you were? or trying to be as an organization, and maybe that's a little bit higher or holistically sounding, but right. not changing who you are, especially when it comes to brand. This blows my mind, and it's not just credit unions, and I was having a conversation with some, uh, 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 one of the um, uh, TV, affiliate, TV affiliates, right, and from a sales perspective. You know, what's happening, what's happening with their advertisers, of course, they're getting hammered by political ads right now. Sure. But the crazy part is, is talking about some people that have been so built on brand and who they are and spending in the marketplace to build up this brand. And now in this time frame, are like, no, we're stopping. To me, what I can't understand is why'd you spend all that damn money leading up to this then if it wasn't important? Isn't it, isn't it just as important, if not more important now to follow that same strategy? And, and there's something worse than that, right? I mean, I, I, your point is absolutely right. I, I, I doubled our marketing uh, bets during downtimes because it, uh, without putting the political advertising aside, there was an opportunity to, to be heard that, that could not be heard in any other given market time. But man, brand only lasts for the last two weeks, right? If you're not out there creating awareness and, and building your brand, people will forget you and go to Rocket Mortgage or forget you and go to Capital One uh, Autos or Capital One credit cards, right? Whoever is out there Geicoing every day. And it, you, so all that money you spent that you thought was worthwhile just got thrown away. It, it oh. didn't, it's not providing the value. So if you're in for brand, damn it, stay in for brand, yep. unless you're going out of business. Where else do people, you see sales leaders typically stumble? You know, if they're, they're, they're not chasing goal, they're apparently not, uh, you know, they're, they're cutting back on brand. You know, right. what are the other no-nos? Well, and, and Josh just mentioned it. It's, it's uh, they stop advertising um, and they change, they, they sometimes change internal compensation systems, right? They, hmm. they start, uh, uh, they, they change it so that uh, it acknowledges defeat before it happens. And that, that you just can't do that. You, you've got to stay to the storyline. You have to be absolutely truthful with your team where things stand. You have to be relentless in your, your goals and your brand and your perspective of how to win. And that includes uh, if you're a price leader, stay a price leader uh, through the time. If you're a service leader, uh, damn it, invest in, 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 and get the service uh, right during this time and be relentless in it. I mean, to the point where you know, um, as much as I hate to say this, if you're really committed to service, turning off some of the, the volume if you can't service it, given what's going on. I mean, you have to be true to that macro issue that Josh raised, right? And if you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're going to blow with the wind and literally your goals will go out the window. Well, you know, you know, gosh dang it, Joe, you're actually asking decent questions this time. Uh, the, uh, but the compensation, <laughs> so yeah, hey, on compensation, you know what is crazy to me? And I've heard of this too. So in, a, in an environment like this, where you should be gaining opportunity and trying to, to grow, I would think, even during a crisis, so you come out stronger, right? Or at least grabbing everything you can, like you said, the opportunities within your own marketplace. So I think right. of mortgages right now, and, and I've heard of this, I've heard of this, is people that I think there's this, uh, you said be aggressive when you know looking at your operating expenses, I don't disagree. But I think there's a line there where people are confusing investment versus expenses sometimes. And when you talk about compensation, I've heard this. And to me, 
anybody doing this right now, I'd be so bold as to say, and if they're in a leadership position as a financial institution, and particularly a credit union, they honestly should pack it in and leave. If, if they've had a good compensation structure, especially for their mortgage loan officers, let's say, right? A base plus compensation structure, which you need to be competitive and out there running. I've heard of people in times like this, trimming that back. That to me seems moronic. Yeah, and, and it's, it is, uh, it's non-sensible. You're, you're putting people under uh, greater stress um, for volumes and you're, you're cutting it back because suddenly somebody's making a, a, an amount of money that you think is uncomfortable or, or unreasonable. That's exactly why you have upsides on incentives and, and bonus programs. And, you know, you want the mortgage department's a great example. You want people willing to work six and seven days a week right now, right? And, and if you want to close every mortgage, you, we talked about this before we got on. It, it's my opinion that the, the boom will be short-lived. It will be six months. It, it, and that's just historical. So you want people working as hard as they can for those six months, and, and you, want to be, uh, you want to keep the compensation system in there. Besides that, I mean, what trust does that build if you change the compensation well, system? Do you, do, you think it's a, do you think it's an ego problem for some people at the top that they see the money yeah. that's being, that they see the money that okay. somebody else is making? And they're like, well, this, this person in the sales type role is making this kind of money. They just shouldn't, which is, which is crazy. To me, if I'm any sort of sales manager, if you will, if that's what we're talking about or a manager, I want those people making more money than me. Well, and, and they make a lot less when things are down. Right. So that's just, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Yeah. And, and so that's the, that's the risk they're taking in the jobs. Yeah. So beyond, you got another, Joe, you got another question? That's, uh, yeah, that's I'm going to meet you. Um, so <laughs> well, so let's, let's, beyond compensation, let's, you kind of touched on motivation and engagement. So specifically, you know, within crisis, and, let's, and now let's focus on frontline employees. What did you focus on to help people be motivated and engaged? Because, you know, they have to keep coming back to work too. Right. Well, the, the, first of all, uh, leadership matters in, in these situations more than any. And, and by the way, leadership styles tend to change and probably should change to some aspect in this. So often in a real crisis, command and control takes a little more of a significant in, uh, uh, action uh, by leaders because you need to be out in front and you need to be leading the, the, the work that goes on. Secondly, uh, it is really important to be, give the unvarnished truth. Uh, and, and within the unvarnished truth, uh, things like forecasts about good and bad outcomes and a spectrum of outcomes. Uh, and this really is, is crucial for leaders preparing for the next uh, opportunity, uh, next challenges or opportunities, is it doesn't start when the crisis happens. You, you have to have, been, have delivered the unvarnished truth. People have to understand their goals. They have to understand the vision and mission of, of the organization. They have to stay true to that vision and mission. You cannot give in on, the, on that vision and mission as we just talked about. It's those types of things. So the, the front line needs to have the unvarnished truth. They need to know that we're going to stick to the goals. We need to start, stick to who we are. And we have to be out in front of the leaders as leaders. That's fantastic. You took my next question. You already uh, had to prepare for the next one. Oh, well, said you don't have it. Since you don't have anything else, then I'll give another good question. You know, one thing I thought of when you were talking about that being prepared or, or ahead of time and ready for the next one is what this is a this is a topic I haven't heard anybody talk about. And I'd really be curious uh, your take on this since you've gone through a lot of these, especially with Beth Page, is um, what happens after the crisis? Because right, because it feels like you could if you let yourself 
kind of go into this, okay, we're past it. It could be a lull if you don't figure out how to refocus maybe after that crisis. It feels like there has to be something there, right? So, yep. So there's this great quote, right, is, is that, that uh, rest is a weapon. So you do need to pause for a really short and planned period of time, right? You need to give everyone, and you can do it in stages, you can do it, but it has to be a planned event about allowing people to gasp for air and, and recover. And that comes from leadership once again, give them some more time off if it's a mortgage department or, or whatever that may be, support people. But then within um, you know 30 days or whatever that period of time is you set, go right back to the goals. Right. You have to be you have to relentlessly run this organization. The organization is like a business. It can be a cooperative structure and philosophically deliver to members extraordinary value that is different than they can get in the marketplace. But you have to run it like a business and running like a business is you've spent all this time. You've worked hard. You've earned your way out of this. You've created it. Now you need to maximize the goals for the next year. And that's where Beth Page grew in each one of those subsequent years by 20 plus percent, 21, 22, 23 percent, um, because um, we built the momentum during it. We gave people a, a, a few moments of rest, and then we attacked. Attacking, you know, we're businesses. It's, it, it, we may have a cooperative structure, but attacking is what matters. Well, appreciate yeah, I appreciate that, Kirk. I'm going to let you off hey, the hot hey, seat. Hey, sorry, no. sorry. No, no. If Come I were to grade, this is simple. If I were to grade Joe on how he did today, it, you know, I don't know, probably not a high mark, but if you were to grade, the credit union industry as a whole right now, Kirk, on how it's handling this crisis, honestly, honestly, not individual credit unions. So you got to kind of take them all as an aggregate. How, how do you think they've been handling this crisis so far? I'm going to, I'm going to give you one proviso and then I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question. So the proviso is that by asset class, so that the, uh, uh, the larger credit unions, uh, every one of them I'm talking to are, are, uh, doubling down on their mortgage business and, and looking at PPP loans that are doing extremely well. Uh, so I think that I'd give them a, an A minus, an A. I, I can't judge as, as well as I'd like to about how much they're advertising and brand positioning. Uh, Mid-sized credit unions like yours are doing exceptionally well and attacking the opportunity. But, but as you get down in asset classes, too many of those are putting that asterisk up that we are just, um, uh, we have 20, we have, uh, COVID gives us a, a an additional, um, uh, situation where we can, can claim, um, that we don't have to meet our goals. And, um, and I think that is, is, uh, unfortunate. So I think that's a C or, or D in, in, in many of the, uh, midsize and lower. And, and, uh, I don't think it has to be that way. I think in, in assets are, uh, important as far as scale, but not, as uh, important, uh, particularly over 100 million uh, in local markets. Uh, a, a credit union is really damn good size at 200 million in most markets. Mm. Well, Kirk, I'm gonna let you off the hot seat here. It's been a pleasure having you talk to talk to me and Josh. Um, you know, just gonna quick recap here. This, you know, feel free to, to interrupt, but there's opportunity here in disruption. Visible leadership matters, transparency matters, um, being true to your brand, the brand investment matters. But all of that culminates in focusing on some time to rest, to recover, to continue to grow um, after crisis. And the, the only thing I would add is just do not lose sight of what your goals are, right? You know, just keep running at them. Um, and, and frankly, if your market is um, less competitive because of 
maybe you should even increase your goals. I, I tell you what, Kirk, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I always, it's always a pleasure for me. I learn something every time we have a conversation. I'm sure that I only help make you dumber. Uh, so I apologize for that. Maybe it's just a knowledge transfer, but I will say, I tell you what, one thing we ought to figure out is a time to get back together and, and talk about how does an organization, especially a credit union, uh, seek out to define who they are, their vision, their mission, and their values, because I do not think that exists on the level it should, uh, uh, or as clear as it, and concise as it should be for most institutions. So it's hard for them to follow that if it doesn't exist, but I think that'd be yeah. such a great topic. I'd love to do that. I, I have a theory on a center of gravity, uh, that I call it, uh, for the organization that, that uh, serves its um, through good and bad times. And, and it's the replication of stock price through a, through a, a set of goals that um, you never relent on. So that, that'd be a great conversation. It's sacrosanct, right? They have to be sacrosanct. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. This has been Credit Union Joe is Disrupted with Josh.